Well, good morning, New Hope. Glad that you're here this morning in person, online with us, wherever we might be. Uh, it's good to be together. You know, when you walk in on Sundays, you sort of see these action hero shirts around the building in our kids' area. Uh, they're making coffee, uh, putting out cookies and that, and that's volunteers. And every week at New Hope, it takes over 100 volunteers at our campuses to make it happen. It's not me that makes it happen. And so I just want to do a shout out to our volunteers. Just so much appreciate their faithfulness in that. And then also, yes, definitely, I want to challenge you. On your chair, there's a card with all kinds of opportunities to serve in an area that turns your crank. And we need more people to serve. Jesus calls us the body of Christ, the family of God, right? I don't know about you, but maybe at home you think you're the only one that does everything around the house, like you do it all, right? No, at home as a family, we all do our stuff together, right? To take care of the house. And we want to invite you to take care of God's house, to serve and to get to know other people through that. And just, hey, once, twice a month in, in a healthy way uh, for your life. But please fill out that card. You can put it in the giving box on the way out, and we'll just connect with you and, and uh, see what your interest is. So just thank you for that. Well, because people are serving, New Hope is open, and we're continuing in our series in November here called Fish Stories, right? So I want to ask you, do you, do you know the best way to get in touch with a fish? Drop it a line. Drop it a line, Right? Do you know what the most expensive fish is? Goldfish. Yes, the goldfish is the most expensive fish. Yeah. Why don't fish play tennis? Well, it's because they're afraid of the net. I mean, this is pretty, pretty obvious, right? And where do fish keep their money? In the riverbank. They keep it in the riverbank. You know, that's where they, they go with their money and that. And... Uh, you know, how do fish know how much they weigh? Because that's important to a fisherman. You know, they catch in there, well, how much did it weigh, right? How much? Well, they know how much they weigh because they have scales. I mean, it's pretty obvious. I mean, they have scales, right? And that, did you know that fish in the ocean uh, typically fail school? It's because they live and work below sea level. So it's just pretty obvious, right? What did the fish say when it hit the cement wall? Damn. Damn. <laughs> Ooh, he swore in church. <laughs> Damn, you know. <laughs> it reminds me of a story where you're out in North Dakota, Badlands and all that, with our, when our girls were real small. And, and we came up to this small uh, little city in that, and they had this dam on this river, and built into the dam there was this store and the store was called the damn store. And so our little girls thought it was so cool that they could walk around and say, hey, we're in the damn store, you know, and we're going to the damn store. We were at the damn store. Like they could, like as little like pastor kids, they could like actually like swear maybe a little bit, you know, that kind of like we're in the damn, you know, they just thought it was the, the biggest hoot, you know, for them to, to say that. But uh, there was this little boy alongside the road and he was fishing and had his, his line down in the drain alongside the road. Feeling sorry for him and wanting to humor him, this lady stops and gives him $5 and says, 
have you caught anything? And the boy turns to her and says, well, you're my 10th one this morning. So, <laughs> smart kid, right? Well, I start out this way because in reality, we all love stories. We love listening to stories. We love listening to whether they're fishing stories or hunting stories, whatever kind of stories they might be. The movie we went to last night, the restaurant we experienced, uh, whatever it might be. Talking back when we were in college or where we used to live, we love telling stories. We love hearing stories. That's just how it is. And this whole series is about as we tell our other stories of life, let's tell also our Jesus stories to other people around us, just like we tell our other stories. You know what? What was our life like before Jesus? When did we decide to follow Jesus? And what is life like now in following Jesus? So just like we would tell somebody our, our restaurant stories, our fishing stories, our school stories, whatever it might be, let's tell them our Jesus stories. Because every day we tell stories, whether we realize it or not. But why are stories so effective? Why are they so effective? Well, they're so effective because stories in gauge our brain in certain ways. Now, if we're listening to a PowerPoint presentation, when we listen to that, it is engaging in us a certain area of our brain that just is figuring out words. And scientists call this the Broca's area or the Wernick's area of the brain. And you know, if you've sat in a PowerPoint presentation for more than like 15 minutes and you're being like in a training at work or school or whatever, after a while, your, your brain sort of goes dead, right? But if they're telling a story, it comes alive and you, you're more engaged, right? And it's because that story now is hitting different areas of your brain and your brain has to process what is going on in the story. So if I'm talking about a food that I experienced I am now hitting the sensory cortex of your brain, and it's making you maybe a little hungry or more interested. So when I talk about this big jelly-filled raspberry donut that I had this morning that had an inch-thick white frosting all over it, good, and when I bit into it, that jelly went down my chin, and it was just so good. I mean, your, your sensory cortex with food is going ding, 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 like donut, 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 honey, we got to stop at Cub after this. You know, what? I mean, it's getting you, right? Or if I'm talking about like an activity or whatever, it's hitting our motor cortex. And so when I say, man, last night I had that dream where I was just kept falling and falling and falling and I, I just couldn't wake up and it was like the stomach was like, ah, and you're like, oh, I've had that dream. And it's hitting that more to cortex, right? I mean, stories engage us. And we, we like stories. Back in 1988, before my wife Sherry and I moved to Minnesota so I could get my master's degree at Bethel, and that we took with another couple, 20 students, down into the Amazon jungle to live with the Pacas Novus Indians for the summer. Seriously. We took them down there. We flew into Manaus, which is the biggest city on the Amazon River. From there, we ended up having to take a plane, 
another two hours south because the Amazonian highway was washed out at that time. We landed and we got on the Amazonian highway, which literally is like the worst gravel road in Isani County. I mean, that literally was the Amazonian highway. Seriously. Once we got to the tributary, this smaller river that we are going up into, we loaded five 16-foot flat-bottom boats with students and luggage, and we took it 12 hours on this tributary back into the Amazon. And it was night. When we flew into Manaus, we went two hours upriver on a double-decker boat to a missionary school where they trained us before we went in to the Pacas Novus Indians. When we arrived there, we got settled and all that, and our friend Marv, who grew up down there, said, hey, Bill, do you want to get some students and go alligator hunting? And I'm like, well, yeah, we're here. Like, like it's like the thing you do, right? Well, where we were on the Amazon River, it was a mile wide. That's how big the Amazon River is. So we got into three 14-foot aluminum boats. Each of us had kids. He had a friend, Marv, myself, and that. And so we went down the Amazon a little bit, river a little bit, and back into these backwaters. It was pitch dark at night. We had flashlights, and we had spears like you would use for like ice fishing, like spearing in the winter here in Minnesota. And so we're out there, we, we pull up and we shine and there's beady eyes out there in the water and all that. And then it struck me, it struck me. What on earth are you doing? <laughs> Parents have put these kids in your hands to take them to the Amazon jungle. And the first night you put them in a boat, 14 foot, give them a spear, and say, hey, we're going to go spear alligator. And in my mind, I'm thinking, man, we get into a big one. These things just don't like roll over and die. You know, they're thrashing all over the place. And then I'm like, oh, the boat flips, kid goes under, you know, alligator cramps on them, takes them away. And like, who wants to make that call home? Hey, sorry, Mrs. Mrs. Jones, you know, we're reaching alligators for Jesus, and, you know, there's, you know, I don't know where your kid is now, and, and I'm, you know, you ever have that moment like, hey, this is an awesome idea, and then you get there, it's like, nah. but by the, literally, like, by the grace of God, like, we got through it, and I got a picture up here, actually, this was just a four-footer that we brought back, uh, that, and I thought the thing was still dead when I picked it up off the floor when we got back, but it's like, like, uh, but I was like the grace of God, right? And we just had a ball uh, living with the Pacas Novus Indians. Matter of fact, I brought one of those green blow-up alligators, you know, that you float on and stuff, because I thought, oh, this will be fun. And then I remember the day I brought it out, and like the people started running. They, I mean, they've never seen it before. It's an alligator, you know, and they're like, why, you know? It like took me two hours before they would like even touch it. And that, but look at here's a picture. I'm down in the river, man. I couldn't get them off it after that. You know, once they realized what it was and that, and and before the kids, I had to kick the men of the village off. You know, I'm like, get out of here, you guys. This is for kids. You know, that kind of thing. But I tell you the story, just well, it's sort of a fun story. We like stories, right? It's like, hey, hey, you're paying attention, right? You like stories. 
You know, the whole idea of story originated with God. You know, if you think of the book of Genesis, what does it say? In the beginning, right? It sort of sounds like once upon a time, right? Jesus told stories when he taught his spiritual lessons. Matter of fact, in Luke 18, 1, it says, Jesus told them a story to teach them that they should keep on talking with God and not give up. He talked to them about prayer and told them a story and said, hey, stay in God's grill with what you need, right? Keep talking to him about it. Talk to him about it. I mean, what story did Jesus tell that really is universal around the world? What story did he tell that's really universal around the world? Hospitals are named after it. Good Samaritan, right? Good Samaritan. Hey, you're the first one. This is uh, number three of four services. Your first one that got it, but Good Samaritan, right? Everybody know how oh, Good Samaritan story. Why? Because when we tell stories, they're powerful. Stuff happens in our brain and we become engaged. The second reason why stories are so powerful is typically it's about people. You're telling stories about people or about yourself. We see in the Bible that Jesus told his story about himself. We see that age 30, he starts his public ministry. He goes out and he's 40 days, 40 nights in the desert, not eating anything. When he comes out of the desert, he goes to Galilee. He goes to Nazareth, his hometown where he grew up. He goes into the synagogue to teach they give him the scroll of Isaiah, which is the Old Testament book, which is the book that talks about the coming Messiah. He opens the scroll to the description of what the Messiah would do, and he reads it. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus rolls up the scroll, and then he says to the people in the synagogue, this scripture about the Messiah that describes the Messiah is being fulfilled in your sight right now, because I'm the guy. I'm the guy. And he tells them that, hey, what I've just read is what you see before you. And it says, all spoke well of him and were amazed at all his gracious words that came from his lips. But if we read on in the story, just seven verses later, they're ready to take Jesus and they're trying to take him to the edge of town, to a cliff and kill him, throw him off. Boy, they were just saying, hey, you're the bomb. <laughs> and then they want to kill him. Why? Because Jesus said, listen, this scripture I just read is being fulfilled before you right now. But this good news to the poor, the broken, the captives, the prisoners, and all that just isn't for you Jews. It's for everybody, even the Gentiles. And they didn't like that. And so they wanted to kill him. But Jesus was just telling them his story about who he was as God in the flesh and why he came. We see other stories of other individuals in the Bible in John chapter 9, very familiar story of the blind man. Jesus is walking along a blind man that was born blind from birth. And it says that Jesus took his spit, spit on the ground, took some mud, put it in his eyes and said, go wash in the pool of Siloam. 
He goes and washes and he can see. He comes home back into the neighborhood. His neighbors are like, man, is this the same guy? Are you the same guy? You know, and other neighbors are like, no, it just looks like him. Can't be him. He can't see. He couldn't see from birth and all that. And they were arguing. And then they finally approach him and ask him. And he replies like this. He says, the man they called Jesus made some mud, put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed, and then I could see. That's his story. That is his Jesus story. That's what he told his neighbors when he got home. And they were trying to figure out, man, are you the same cat that was blind at birth? Really? And he just tells them the story. The religious leaders get wind of the story, start to question him, talk to him. Start to ask him, well, who is this Jesus guy? What do you know of him? Where did he come from? And he says, listen, all I know is this. I was blind, but now I see. You see, the whole idea is just tell your story, right? Tell what you know. We get this picture in 1 John 1, 1 through 3. The apostle John is basically writing the church and saying, hey, this is my experience with Jesus. This is what he says. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared, we've seen it, testify to it, and we proclaim to you eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us as our fellowship was with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. So the Apostle Paul is basically saying, just listen, hey, I'm telling you, I ate with this guy. I saw this guy. I touched this guy. I smelt this guy's deodorant. It's Old Spice. You know, whatever. I mean, I walked with this guy, and now I'm just telling you what I experienced with him. The Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all they are are their stories of what they experienced with Jesus. And God is writing a gospel story in our life as well. Basically, what have we experienced with Jesus? How has he transformed our lives? And so when it comes to the power of story and, and fish stories and telling our stories, when we tell our story about Jesus to others, it engages their brain and draws them in. And primarily, too, because we're interested in people, right? I mean, when you drive by a billboard, if there's a face on the billboard now, you look at it. You automatically look at it, right? That's why they put it there. Man, when we talk about what Jesus has done in our life, people listen because they love to hear story about people. And finally, what is the pro when it comes to story? People can't refute our story. The blind man said to his neighbor and to the religious leaders, hey, I was blind, now I see. Who can refute that? Hey, I was a meth addict, but now I've been clean for 20 years. Who can refute that? I prayed that God would do this in my life or provide this, and he did. And who can refute that? You just tell your story. In Mark 16, 15, it says, Then he told them, as you go into all the world, proclaim the gospel to everyone. Man, as you go to the grocery store, 
as you go to school, your work, family reunion, hey, tell people about what Jesus is doing in your life. Why? Because people need Jesus. We need Jesus, right? We love to have relationship with Jesus. Everybody needs relationship, salvation, forgiveness of sin with Jesus. And so he calls us to go out and to share our Jesus story with others. And so I want to share a life story with you, a Jesus story of a new hoper here, and then I'll come back on and close us. Let's watch. Hey, New Hope. Um, my name is Croy Vavra. I'm a junior in high school this year at Cambridge Isani High School. Life for me growing up around Jesus has truly been a blessing. Um, I couldn't imagine my life without it. It's given me something to turn to at all times. And honestly, if like I was didn't grow up in the church like I did, I I would have been too stubborn to turn to Jesus now because um, that's just who I am. Even though I grew up knowing Jesus my almost practically my entire life, um, I still struggled with like learning how to make my faith my own and what does that really mean to make your faith your own. Um, so I actually was introduced to that at Trout Lake Camps, which I've been going there for 11 years, which has been a huge part of my faith and a part of my story. So. Um, just learning that was a very crucial thing. And learning that you can't just live off of your parents' faith or out of your siblings' faith. Like you really have to develop a relationship with Christ that is so personal and intimate between you two. I'm a big note taker. Um, like during sermons, I'll be taking notes. It helps me remember things and really grow in my relationship and then um, also just treating Christ like a best friend. Uh, what really shifted my faith was when, um, no, I had been going on and off for a really long time and not really, I would be like serious in my relationship with Christ, but then it wouldn't amount to anything. So it was kind of like I was faking it a little bit. Um, so I didn't really get real until um, about March of 2020, so right when COVID hit. And I prior, I had used the excuse, like, I don't have enough time. Like, that's so time consuming. I can't make time for Jesus and I'll just do it later. But it was almost like God was saying to me, um, like, hey, here's your time. You can either choose to start living for me or you can continue living for the world. And I decided to start living for him fully and um, I read my Bible every day. I've never felt that much joy that I did. Like that year was amazing. Even as a high schooler, Christ has tr transformed my life in so many ways. Two big ways is by giving me hope and a purpose. Um, one verse that really goes along with that is um, John eleven four, And before this, it's the story of Lazarus and Martha and Mary are like sending a message to Jesus saying, hey, Lazarus is sick. So this is his response. Um, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Um, that verse has really 
been my hope. And like this world is so, so dark. And um, like the sickness and the darkness of this world, it will not end in death. But we have something to hope for and something to put our hope in. And it's all for the purpose of giving glory to Christ. So New Hope, this is my Jesus story. I just encourage you to go out and share yours. You know, we all realize that every story has a beginning, right? And there are many people in here who have decided to follow Jesus as their Savior and Lord already, and you are in relationship with him, and you have that story, right? But there maybe are those of you here this morning who have never decided really to follow Jesus as your Savior and Lord, or you can't put a definitive date on this is when I made the decision, when I realized that, hey, I need God to forgive my sin. I can't pay for it myself. I need to be right with my Heavenly Father because I'm just carrying stuff and I want to dump it. I need power beyond my own power to have my life transformed. And if you've never made that decision to give your life over to Jesus, then I want to give you that opportunity this morning. So if you just bow your heads with me, and if you'd like to receive him, or maybe you walked and you just need to get back in relationship with him, repeat this prayer after me. Father God, I admit I'm a sinner. I admit I got nothing to pay for my sin. I don't have enough good works, enough money in the bank, enough awards on the wall to pay for my sin. That's why you came, to die on the cross for me. Jesus, I acknowledge you today as my Savior and Lord. I receive the gift of salvation, eternal life. I want to walk in relationship with you. And I want to tell others my Jesus story. So I give my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, if you prayed that prayer for the very first time today, just put your name on the connection card in front of you, write yes across it. Throw it in the giving boxes on the way out. We'd just love to know that and would love to come alongside you, encourage you, because welcome to the family of God like for eternity. And so we rejoice in what Jesus has done for us. And we want to go out and tell others about it because I say any county needs Jesus Christ. You want to transform this county? Everybody follows Jesus, right? That is our desire and our goal at New Hope. Stand with us as we worship him.